and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. And I am in a jubilant mood. Are you? Are you ready for the Christmas season? That's why I'm in such a jubilant mood. I love Christmas. I know. And we are in our second Christmas season now. Mm -hmm. There's... The smell of peppermint in the air. There's magic everywhere you look. And I am dreaming of a white Christmas. It could happen. Just like the ones I used to have. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Global warming. No, probably not. But we are here to talk about the musical adaptation of a classic Christmas film I've never seen. Mm Mm-hmm. As much as I love Christmas, I tend to stay away from the older Christmas films. Mm-hmm. They don't quite do it for me, you know? Mm-hmm. I I like the ones that have, like, Santa and magic and elves and reindeer. They may not be the best films in the world, but things like The Santa Claus, mm-hmm. things like The Grinch... Things like Arthur Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to watch Arthur, Arthur Christmas, Christmas again. Arthur Christmas is so good. Right? So these sort of ones never really struck a chord for me in terms of things I had to see because, like, black and white. As a youth, I was a snob. This film's not in black and white. Is it not? Okay, I thought it was. No, because I have a vivid memory of this one bit in the film where they have, like, blue feather fans like big ones and being like oh that's but so there cool. has like, been the a big movement recently for a lot of these films to release them with a color no the original edit. version was in color it was okay. this division fair enough which uh, we love i hadn't seen it's a wonderful life until i was 27 years old yeah you know that see i hate that film so. i know you do <laughs> so i'd stayed away from these sorts of Christmas films Mm -hmm. because they didn't have what I wanted for my Christmas films. Sure. With the, like the odd exception, things like the holiday things like love actually. But I feel like because they feature people I know and like, it was more accessible for me to watch those worlds. That makes sense. You know, I wish I had seen these films as a youth I think they'd have been really nice films to watch, but maybe they're not Christmas films for, for like youngsters. Maybe they are ones that have more meaning as you get older. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad to kick the season off with the musical adaptation of White Christmas. Yes. Me too. I <laughs> love this show. Yeah. Have you seen the show before or are you just a fan of the film? So my knowledge of this film is a bit weird because i've seen the film a whole bunch of times but i've also seen holiday in a whole bunch of times which it's of that sort where they look the same like you'd be forgiven for looking at one and thinking oh they look the same well so they're both by irvin berlin yes they both star bing crosby (laughs) and they both have the song white christmas in them because irvin berlin wrote white christmas it's his song yes it was introduced in Holiday Inn. And then used again for White Christmas. And then Irvin Berlin. So Holiday Inn came out in 1942. 
And then in 1954, Irving Berlin was like, hey, we should make a musical just based around this song. Because everybody loves my song. Let's do it. So they were trying to come up with a plot for this film, but they also wanted to do another Bing Crosby. And they also wanted to be the first to use VistaVision, which was a widescreen process developed by Paramount that used twice the surface area of a standard 35 millimeter film and was like used to make your film quality look a lot better. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not the expert on things like this. You know no. way more about it than I do. But that was the the whole point behind making this. And hilariously, has Bing Crosby again singing yeah. White Christmas. So I get the two muddled up really easily, mostly because they have similar-ish plots. They have a lot of the the same vibe, you know, because obviously it's, it's too... Quite similar Christmas. Are they connected? They're not like sequels no. or anything like that. Not at all. They are not in any way, shape, or form the same. So that's you know you being introduced to the film. Mm-hmm. But what about the show itself? Have uh, what uh, knowledge have you seen the show? Have you seen backstage clips? I have seen only backstage clips from Broadway.com. Okay. I watched all the rehearsal videos. I've watched all the um. I guess trailers. Yeah. Is that what we call them now? The the show trailers for when it was on Broadway. So this is a show that I know pretty well just because of the film. Yes. But I have also seen loads of clips and things from the stage show. So it would be nice for me to get to go and see this as a stage production. But this as an introduction to it for you, I think, is going to be a really good way to see it. Well, we talk about it with the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff that it's better to be introduced to more modern versions where possible because it makes it more accessible. Mm. The difference is with these ones, the film comes first. Whereas Rogers and Hammerstein made their stage shows first, then they got made into horrible movies and then got made into stage shows again, which we're more likely to be able to go and see. Yeah. When did this start to be? What is the kind of creation process of adapting was it fairly soon after the film or was it like years and years later? The film was made in 1954 and then the stage musical premiered in the year 2000. So, and it was titled, rather than just being White Christmas, it's Irving Berlin's White Christmas yeah. The Musical. And it premiered in St. Louis at the Muni Theatre and then... That was all its previews. And then it opened in 2004 in San Francisco. Then it toured all across America, went everywhere, basically, and then came to the UK in 2007 after its US tour had finished. Now, this is where it got kind of big. Yeah. Essentially, because they had a lot of known names in the UK. Alan Jones was in it. Lorna Luft was in it. Like, they had a lot of actors coming in and being rolled through the characters, basically. So you would have them come in and do the tour for like a couple of weeks at a time. Or they might do a six-week track and then get replaced by another big actor, which is personally, I think, quite a smart way to do a tour of a show like this, where people know it for the film 
and you know it for being Bing Crosby and yeah you're not going to see a particular performer in the role you are going because it's White Christmas Mm -hmm. then in 2008 it went back to Broadway and ran for 53 performances and 12 previews (laughs) I guess that's just a seasonal thing though yeah this isn't this isn't going to be one that runs throughout the year this is a come and see it whilst you can yeah yeah it was at the marquess theater from november 13th until january 3rd and it was just a limited run and they had mara davy as judy james clough as bob melissa erico as betty and tony as beck as phil which was i mean those names mean nothing to me no i know they won't don't worry <laughs> and then it went on tour again after that but yeah. it ran in the uk until 2011 which is a pretty good run, considering we then had a West End revival in 2014. Yes. So this show has basically been on since 2000. It's always been on somewhere. And then again, after that version closed in 2016, they then went on another US tour and then came back in 2019 for the revival, which then got closed. So yes, this production originally opened at the Curve theatre in leicester in 2018 Mm -hmm. then it transferred to the west end in 2019 it had a successful run at the dominion theatre yep and obviously now is touring again this had sold out performances all throughout its london west end tour yeah and critically well the broadway one which has the most critical analysis of it because of course it does people were not impressed by the broadway version They said it was as fresh and appealing as a roll of Necco wafers found in a mothballed Christmas stocking. I guess this is the thing, because it is such an old Christmas film. Mm -hmm. How well does it age? Like, is it still going to be set in the 1950s? Is the original set in the 1950s or is it like years earlier? Like uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, where it's like early 1900s. I believe it's set when it's filmed. So that's obviously something that's going to age this quite a bit, that you're going to see this more Mm. so than anything for the nostalgia. Yeah, it's set in the 1950s. So you've obviously got two choices here. Do you play up to the nostalgia and just create a, a fun show that's there for Christmas season, but doesn't really do much or do you do a bed knobs and broomsticks with it where you know you've already got an audience of people who love this product Mm -hmm. but you're going to do more with it and maybe take some risks with it like the risks taken in bed knobs and broomsticks yes i don't feel like this one's going to have been award fodder like i don't don't think anyone's really going to be nominating this or it's going to be up in conversations for tony's same with the film it didn't do too badly. Film-wise, to this day, it holds a 77% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is pretty good. Which is pretty good. At the time, it was the highest-grossing musical of all time. Yeah. Which we say about every musical whenever we review one of these. But at the time, it grossed over $30 million yeah. domestic. That's massive. Yeah. Which it then got a re-release in the 60s and did basically exactly the same. People loved this film, especially considering it was on a two million budget. So it really did do well. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
which I think has a lot to say for not only the performance and the music of the movie, but the way that they filmed it using these new techniques for the time. Yeah. People wanted to see this movie and because it looked so good when you watched it, people wanted to see it again and again. With the stage show, it had two Tony Award nominations in 2009. Cool. Did not win. No, but that's still pretty cool that it's Tony Award nominated. Yes. So it was nominated for Best Choreography and Orchestration. Cool. And then it also received Drama Desk Award nominations for Outstanding Director, Outstanding Choreography, Orchestration, Set Design, Costume Design, and Sound Design. Again, so that's, that's pretty cool. Mm. Something that's seasonal flash in a pan. Yeah. Still to get some kind of recognition. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. However, that is the same year as Billy Elliot. Yeah. So they were never going to win anything because Billy Elliot was there. Yes. But, you know, they tried. What do you? What else do you know Irvin Berlin for? I literally don't know of anything. I know, like, responsible for Christmas songs mm-hmm. and White Christmas. I, I mean, this is the thing is, I know, I recognise the name because obviously you see it, like, Irvin Berlin Presents. I used to work at a DVD store that went into administration. Yeah. I also used to work at WH Smith's and uh, at university. One of my jobs was the DVD section. And I would work extra shifts where I just stayed downstairs in the basement prepping the DVDs for release. Mm. And with the Christmas ones, they all look the same to me. But Bing Crosby and Irvin Berlin, Mm -hmm. their names cropped up a lot. I mean, because we got so many of the DVDs in, we were selling them. When I took over the uh, DVD section, we were selling them like hotcakes because they were being displayed prominently priced and where they should be. So we kept getting new stock in. So I saw those names lots. Yeah. Is so he attached to It's a Wonderful Life as well? No. They all blur into one. That's the problem. No, he's not attached to It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. The, 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 these, these sort of, ho- like you say, Holiday, for, Holiday Inn and White Christmas, they all have like generic looking posters and fonts mm-hmm. and they all just blur into one yeah it's, it's a picture of the cast in front of a snowy background yeah it's basically the same as holiday so what else poster. would i know Irvin berlin from then so he for stage is the composer for annie get your gun cool white christmas obviously top hat holiday inn and the zigfield follies amongst others is there a holiday inn musical as well yes like stage show? cool mm-hmm. and then for movie scores, he worked on Putting on the Ritz, Reaching for the Moon, Top Hat, again, basically all of the ones that got turned into movies. Yeah. Uh, Second Fiddle, This is the Army, Easter Parade, which is a very good movie, and There's No Business Like Show Business. Okay, cool. So a really, really celebrated composer. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Fun fact, he only knew how to play one note on the keyboard. He had a specially made keyboard that would transpose his notes for him. Nice. So he would press the key and then pull a lever and it would change it to the note he wanted it to be so that he didn't have to play it on the piano, which is like genius level effort. Yeah. But you know, and you're like, well, you can just learn to read music. <laughs> like that, that feels like it'd be easier. You feel like you, that, that would be a pivotal part of composing. So it's mm. quite nice to know that wasn't an obstacle. Yeah. So this production that we're going to see. Yes. We have Dan Burton, who is reprising his role as Phil Davis, which he played at the Dominion Theatre and in The Curve 
Theatre in Leicester. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for an Olivier Award for his performance as Tulsa in Gypsy at yep. the Savoy. And has also been in Jersey Boys, Chicago, Legally Blonde, Betty Blue Eyes and Guys and Dolls. And Singing in the Rain. He played Don Lockwood. Awesome. We have Matthew Jeans. And Matthew Jeans is playing Bob. Mm-hmm. Has been in Les Mis and Miss Saigon. And has also appeared in International Tours of Hairspray, We Will Rock You. And was also in Funny Girl Joseph, Singing in the Rain and Mrs. Henderson Presents. Yes. Jessica Daly is playing Betty Haynes. Mm-hmm. Has done UK and Ireland tours of An Officer and a Gentleman and The Sound of Music. International tours of Evita, Les Mis and Greece. And was in Mamma Mia in the West End. Which I saw her in. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Emily Langham is Judy. And she was recently in Carousel at the Regent Park Open Air Theatre and has done Oklahoma, West Side Story, Follies, Mrs. Henson Presents and Les Mis. And then finally, we have Duncan Smith as General Waverley. Yep, Major General Waverley. He's the very mo- making of the modern Major General. Yep. He, has... he was in Sweeney Todd and... at the pie shop. Nice. Which is like was like a whole great thing that they did with Sweeney Todd. He was at... The Harrington Pie Shop on Shaftesbury Avenue, and nice. he was Judge Turpin. Has also been in Phantom of the Opera. Cool. Anything Goes, Evita and Calamity Jane, mm-hmm. and did UK tours of Fame, Sound of Music, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and Kiss Me Kate. Awesome. So we have a huge, wonderful cast in this, as yes. well as a fantastic ensemble who. I recognise a whole bunch of. Yeah, and the crew as well. We don't often talk about the crew, but we have uh, directed by Ian Talbot, OBE, High Society, Anything Goes. Mm-hmm. Choreographed by two-time Olivier Award-winning choreographer Stephen Meir, CBE, who's done Mary Poppins and Gypsy. And then we have set design by Michael Taylor, costume design by Diego uh, Pitark. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> Yeah, this looks like a really, really good performance. Like a lot of very talented individuals involved in this, mm. which again suggests to me they're not doing White Christmas as a we're going to basically steal your money by putting on a show that you enjoy the film of, but giving you nothing from it. That this is going to be a performance, I hope, that has some substance to it. Yeah. I know nothing. I couldn't even begin to tell you what White Christmas is about. Because these ones, they don't have like a fantasy magical element with these Christmas films that I enjoy. It's not like you save Christmas or watch them become Father Christmas. Well, based on when it's set. 1950s, it's Mm post-war. So presumably it's like the hardships of a post-war Christmas. Mm. Uh, You've got a general. Maybe it's like missing family or first time family been reunited. Yeah. Maybe. I don't I, I know. I, I feel like it's going to be very family orientated. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best guess I could give to it. But I hope it will put me in a Christmas mood more than anything else. That's what I want this to achieve is I want to come out feeling, you know, festive, feeling happy. Because I think that's what Christmas films should do. They leave you feeling happy and optimistic about the world. And it leaves me with a strong urge to write to Santa. Sure. And have hot chocolate by the fireplace, you know? Yeah. Like just something that gets me in the mood for the next 25 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so far you've got nothing. 
sus. But I love this show. It's so funny. I was in a lot of pantomimes as a kid and a lot of this show is parodied in Christmassy oh. time pantomimes, especially things where you have stepsisters or, well, like Cinderella. As soon as you put the stepsisters in Cinderella, they always have them sing sisters from this musical, nice. which is endlessly funny. When did you first see the film? Do you remember it? Were you old enough to remember it? or I was probably like four or five. And is it one that has been like a constant? Because obviously your mum loves Christmas. Yes. Christmas in July is, is frequently... Uh, it's her favourite TV yeah. channel, yep. Yes, so I think it's one of the ones that my mum was like, I'm pretty sure we had a box set of Christmas movies that was like all these style, like old Christmas movie musicals, but it had this and Holiday Inn and... Meet Me in St. Louis, which is not a Christmas film, but, you know. And then those kind of films. So we just had a bunch of them on DVD that I would watch yeah. over and over again. Although they wouldn't have been on DVD because when I was a child, it was VHS. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been a big old... Uh... A big old box set of VHSs, yeah. Do you think, knowing my usual tastes for Christmas films... Mm-hmm. And movies as a whole. Do you think I'm going to enjoy this one? Yes, I think so. Cool. Awesome. I'm, I can't wait. We're off to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Yes, indeed. Our home away from home. Mm-hmm. And I said this with Priscilla. There's something about live theatre that just sucks you into it more. So if we're watching the film, obviously the energy could lack at times. But seeing the spectacle of live theatre makes it much more accessible. Yeah. So... Even if this is a story that doesn't necessarily grab me from the get-go, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there'll be something to it that really, part of being there, sucks me in. Yeah, cool. I think it will do that. So you're dreaming of a white Christmas. Yes, indeed. And I'm dreaming of a show that sets me up for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Will White Christmas be that show? Find out when we return after intermission. Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen to hear Sleigh bells in the snow The snow holidays we are back (laughs) yes we seem to have jumped from one holiday to another yes indeed (laughs) so you have just heard from Mm pre-halloween danny and drew and you're now hearing from christmas danny and drew we have gone through the christmas shaped tree door (laughs) and have emerged in christmas town what's this we have (sighs) i I live for (laughs) a month and a half of the year 
and I live rent-free permanently. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed this one. Straight off the bat, I thought this was great. And I really, really, I'm surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Yes, because our track record for classic musicals with you isn't amazing. No. I think the one that you liked the most that I can think of off the top of my head is My Fair Lady. And Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. There's only, apropos of nothing. Yeah. There are only two musicals that we've watched that I have rewatched. Yeah. Since covering them for the first time. And I'm not talking about like things like Phantom where we see different versions. Mm-hmm. I have actually three. Scratch that. Three. Mamma Mia. Obviously. Singing, the matter. singing in the Rain. Yeah. Which was the quickest, I would say, the, 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 the most in succession. We, we covered it last November mm-hmm. and then watched it possibly Christmas Day. I think it was or, yeah Christmas week because yeah. like, it was on TV. So within a month. Yeah. Maybe missing the opening, but then watching the whole rest of the film. Mm-hmm. And Anna in the Apocalypse. Yes. Those are the only three musicals that I have watched multiple times. Yeah. Since you've introduced me to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I tend to get on better with the more modern musicals. Yeah. But it occurred to me after watching this, I have never seen a classical musical like this at the theatre. Yeah. And I thought it was amazing experiencing kind of the the, the opposite of these big elaborate modern Broadway musicals. West End modern musicals. And there was something really nice about these simple but elegant and classy dance and musical numbers. And it really, really was refreshing Mm -hmm. i think that was my biggest worry going into it is that i'd be like checking my watch and a little bit bored because sometimes the classical musicals can they're very long yeah but i i came out of this one i was just like that was so charming and so beautiful and there were no stakes really you know it wasn't like the end of the world but it was it was it was just lovely to -hmm. watch this classical story presented in front of us yeah and you know this is going to be a positive review if you have a chance to see white christmas whilst it's on tour you absolutely should i've been in a christmas mood since the 30th of october when we saw this at the new victoria theater in woking yes and if you get a chance especially now we are in december do mm-hmm. because it will really boost your christmas spirits yes this is so this is very much if you are somebody like us who enjoys a trash Christmas film, by which we mean the like commercialized small, small big town girl goes back to her small town, has to save the family in, oh no, falls in love. Like this falls into that kind of category of Christmas plot, you know? Yes. However, there is so much heart to this story and so much like cr- true Christmas spirit where you're like, oh, this is just nice. That it really just fits into that nice Christmas binge-watching feel. Yeah. And it does make me want to watch the actual film. The film is very different. Yes. <laughs> but it makes me want to watch the film. Yeah. I really like the way this show starts. Mm-hmm. So we start really well, I think, with 
I'm going to guess, I'm going to get like and an, an combine Happy Holiday slash White Christmas Music Box. Yes. Because the pair of them go together really, really well. Mm-hmm. We are in 1944. We are at the end of World War Two. Yes. And I just thought this is a really nice way to show the world, especially introducing us to Bob Wallace and Phil Davis. Mm-hmm. And showing us their camaraderie, their personalities, and just their dynamic. Yeah. That even in the bleakest of times, they can find a way to inspire and give hope. Yeah, and they are the showmen of their group, and or troop rather, I suppose. And they put on a little performance for the rest of the gang. I always get their names the wrong way around. So Bob <laughs> is our protagonist who learns to love through this yes and phil is our womanizer for lack of a better term he's the romantic the romantic yeah by by classic standards it's not in a malicious or kind of gross way i don't know it it has moments where like well he's that stereotypical eternal bachelor yes character who then has to learn what it means to be with one woman. Yeah. So Bing Crosby, I assume, plays Bob. Yeah. Because he's the one who sings White Christmas. Yes, he does. Yeah. I thought this was a really nice introduction. You get the sense that Phil is the cheekier of the two. And it sets up kind of their world very mm. quickly. And I like the fact, especially considering... My mind was blown when... In a moment, we're going to learn that they are now big Broadway performers. Yeah. Because I did not see the plot going that way. Yeah. But at this point, it does a really good job at establishing that they are talented. It's not just... They're not it, just funny. Yeah. And it's and it's diegetic sound. It exists within the world because they're actually doing this here and there. Like, so it establishes... Phil has like bells attached to him and he's dancing around, like, yeah. cheering everybody up. Exactly. It's really nice. And then we meet... General Waverley. Yes. He comes in and he does a, a nice kind of speech. You get the sense that he's a you know very business yeah. and, and sticks to routine and keeps the same standards. Because mm-hmm. he says, you know, stop looking so ridiculous. Come on, you know, get yourselves in your proper uniform. But then he gives this really nice goodbye, talking about how he's going because of an injury and that he hopes... That he will find happiness and he hopes the rest of his troop will find happiness in and 10 years. Hey, maybe in 10 years we'll, we'll see each other again. Yes. And it's really nice. It, it's obviously a difficult... I had no idea. Like, if you told me when we started our preamble that this starts in the war, mm-hmm. you know, all that jazz, I, I'd be like, okay... Is that going to make me care for these characters? I think this does a really good job of making all these characters come across really, really likable. We're not spending too much time in this backdrop, and we are now going to jump forward 10 years later. Yes, and that's something that they have changed from the film. Not overly, they've streamlined it. Yes. Because in the movie version, we also get how Phil and Bob meet, and like Bob saves, or Phil saves Bob, is yeah. one way or the other, from some, like, an explosion, basically. Okay. So we get their backstory, but we don't need it. This is lovely. We already know that they're buddies, they're a duo, as people tend to be. Humans tend to end up with their, like, one best friend who you are hilarious with, you know? And 
it's nice to see that they immediately become successful. Yeah, and it is, like you say, you don't need all this backdrop. We can just start right in the middle of it. All yes. of this is a very successful way of picking that up. Mm -hmm. And ten years later, they have a review show. They're big Broadway stars now, and they are often on the TV as yes. well. Yes, so we get Happy Holiday and Let Yourself Go. So I yeah. like that they reprise instantly this song that he sang in 1944. It shows that they are humble. They haven't lost... Like who they were, yeah. Yeah, in, in their stardom. And it's really nice because you're like, they're still the same, you know, every man that they were presented to us before. Mm -hmm. They're on the Ed Sullivan show. Uh, so one of the things I think that's very cool about that is obviously this is set real world. Yes. That they're not making up, you know, it's not on the Corin and Colin show. Mm -hmm. They are very much set in the real world. And I yeah. think that's very cool as a backdrop. And one of the things I really like about this is like the set design. And I think Michael Taylor did a fantastic job thinking about the set because they do a really good job at making you feel like they are on this like old stage, yeah yeah because you have as well like the cameraman coming in with the camera and it's so simple but it does such a lot mm -hmm. to create this immersive world yeah it really does i really liked it and then we have like the neon lights mm -hmm. as the curtains pull back we're outside and we get it's like in the it, like in classic films where you see characters wandering late at night and you have all the flashing neon of like yeah i really liked this mm -hmm. i think it's it really gives you that old-timey vibe even though we still have neon now yeah this it feels dated yeah but it, it gave you that that feeling and it, it really did make you feel like you were here in 1954 mm -hmm. and i really liked that about this yes so we go to love and the weather. Yeah, so the stage splits here and we are introduced to the Haynes sisters. Yeah, we get a little bit of conversation first between Bob and Phil as they're kind of overviewing everything. But this is where <laughs> the group of ladies that were around us really started laughing. Because... Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. The men are getting changed on stage. Yeah, and there were <laughs> a really nice group of ladies behind us. Yes who were sort of doing the whoop whoop take it off thing which is funny but then my brain immediately always goes to oh man if that was the female performers and men were doing that yeah. like that's not okay it, it's not okay yeah but also they were like because this is 50 year old women who were drunk and like this isn't like an objectifying scene it's just it's quite nice though and they're dressed they, they're, getting they're ready. just doing a change yeah. on the stage and they're wearing so much underwear. Yep. I was just sat there like, oh my God. If But if this was random men doing this to female performers. But we do kind of it. see as well the way that Phil interacts with some of the girls that they work with that he clearly is... Uh... Yeah, they're the soap sud girls. <laughs> yes. I didn't understand if he was actually involved with them in any capacity. Yeah, so he, But they both seem to know... Yeah, it's more like, oh, he flirts with us, we flirt with him. Yeah. Like, oh, he's such a womanizer. What have they ever are. acted on it? Probably not. Yeah. Because of when this is set and, like, what their reputations. Yeah, that's what I took it to be, is the fact that they have this kind of flirty relationship. And it's we not. kiss, you know? Like, yeah, it's not just him towards them. They are just as indulgent in it. They give as good as they get. Yeah. But you don't get the sense that anyone's ever acted on it. No, because they really could have, like, pushed that sort of 
more common plot where, you know, you see, oh, the showgirls are the promiscuous ones, and then he meets this one girl, and she's not like the other girls. But this isn't like that. Yeah. It doesn't come across like that in this version anyway. It's just, you know, flirtation. Yeah. My notes say we see his Barney Stinson ways with Rita and Rhoda. Yeah. You know, it is very, you know, you'll never you'll never see me settle down. And it, again, this scene really works well, and, and the song really works well, because it furthers their dynamic. We establish that Phil is this womanizer. Mm-hmm. But we also established that Bob wants a little bit more than this success and feels like, yeah, you need a woman. You need... And Bob's like, no. <laughs> yeah, you need love. And he's like, and it's funny that Phil says it's love. You know, he's like, you're missing out on a woman's, because Phil isn't saying you want to live a life like me. Phil's like, you want to settle down. Yeah, and it's nice... but, which is true. He knows that about his friend, that he does want to settle down eventually. But yeah. he also knows that Bob guards himself too well. To actually do that. And so we are here introduced to the Haynes sisters. Yes. And um, the stage is split by a sort of dressing room wardrobe. Yes. That is in between them. And it's really cleverly done, actually, because we understand that they're in separate dressing rooms. Yes. They're not in the same place at all. I love a good bit of cross-cutting. Yeah. So we meet Betty and Judy... And they are also performers, but Betty and Bob have similar ideas about the world. Yep. They end up duetting Love and the Weather. And they're both saying exactly the same thing. And they repeat over and over again, unpredictable, irresponsible, unbelievable, unreliable. Yeah. Which is, first of all, them talking about themselves. And second of all, them talking about what they think love is. Yeah. And yeah. that it's like a waste of their time. But it's so nice that when it cuts across... They're talking about the same thing where it's like, oh, no, like, love and the weather, you can't depend upon either of those things. Yeah. They're the same. Like, the whole thing is imaginary. I just think as well, it's very clever staging because it does show the parallels between both of them, that they're both doing the same thing. They're at the same place in their lives. Yes. All that's missing is the actual, like, bumping into each other. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And again, instantly, I know what's going on. I know these two are going to be romantically attached throughout the duration of this show. And I suspect that uh, Phil and Judy might be as well. Because Judy is that sort of bright-eyed ingenue where she will fall head over heels in love with the the guy that she meets and locks eyes with across the room. Whereas Betty is more down to earth about the whole thing. She wants to get to know who a guy really is before she ever gets involved. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's nice. It's Mm. good, simple storytelling. We don't need too much of an origin. We just pick up on it, which is really, really good. Yeah. So we learn that Phil is taking Bob to their show because they may be the next big thing. Oh, and... they heard from their friend in the army. Yes. Whose name is Dogface Haynes. Yes. Oh, that's what they call him. In the movie, he's called Freckleface. Okay. And they changed that for some reason. So they call him Haynes, the dogface man. And yeah. They're just being mean to him, basically. And making jokes about, oh, well, I hope dog-faced Haynes' sisters aren't also, yeah you know, but... They Are they his the sisters show. or cousins? I don't know. I can't remember, I, yeah. Whatever it is... But they're a relation that he's put them onto. It's not true. Oh, is it not? Basically. Okay. Oh, no, they are relations of Haynes. However, dog-faced Haynes hasn't written to them. It was Judy. Ah, okay. So that, Judy yeah. wrote to them knowing that they had the connection there and was like, hey, we might as well take a chance at this. It's old-fashioned networking. Yeah. you got to take a chance. And yes, they show up to the show and we 
we see them perform with sisters. Yeah. This is such an earworm. It is. I love this song. Well, you can see why this song is such a hit. Yes. And I had been singing this for weeks before we got to go and see the show. Yeah. And Danny was like, oh, when this when this song actually happened, you turned to me while we were in the audience. Yeah. You were like, oh, it's the song. And it's I was like, song. no, I'm not ready. You're not ready for how much better this is going to get. And we'll be more on that in Act 2. <laughs> but I really like this one. And obviously the great thing is we have Bob and Phil also... Really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Really and I like that you get the audience reactions. You know, that's what makes drama is mm. is when uh, the other performers on stage react to what's occurring. Yes. And especially it's nice to have a show where, like, if you think opposite to Bugsy Malone, yeah. it's not come back tomorrow. It's, yes, you are talented. Yes. We are glad to have met you. Oh, yeah. This is a very idealistic that everything works out. But isn't that part of what we should have with a Christmas film? Yes. You know, this is the escapism. This is the time of year that you need that escapism. Mm-hmm. Where it means so very, very much. And they are smitten instantly, but luckily with different sisters. We're not going to have this plot point where Bob and Phil fall out over a woman. Which mm-hmm. is really nice. I don't want to see that. I want to see them both end up happy. Mm-hmm. Phil and Judy hit it off. They start dancing and they're having a great time. Yep. But uh, Bob and Betty bicker. Straight away. Which I really like, because you're like, oh, you're still going to end up together, but like... Yes, it's very anything you can do. I can do better, exactly. I really like the dynamic that we have, again, between Betty and Judy. Mm -hmm. I think they do a really good job at coming across like sisters, but also in that sense of like, one's more business savvy, one's the talent, you know? Mm. Like, really, really nice dynamic. And that they just like each other as well. It's nice to not have siblings in a show who were like at odds yes because i think very recently like all of the media surrounding siblings in films and shows and whatever they rarely get on yeah it can be quite toxic it's almost like you have to learn to get along and cope with each other as opposed to we just like each other yeah and as somebody who gets on very well with my brother like people always are like oh no it's weird that you get on that well it's like no it isn't you're supposed to get on with your siblings exactly (laughs) yeah it's weird anyway we get uh the best things happen whilst you're dancing yes this is a very short song but it's because the majority of it is the dancing now this is it and again i think the choreography is divine and Mm -hmm. Stephen Meir did a really good job choreographing this show absolutely however i do think whilst this is a really cute number it's a little long at this point, we're still in very much setting the stakes and setting the story. Yes, for a show, for a song that has two verses. Yes. And, like, the chorus is included in that. It's, like, eight lines repeated. Yeah. It's a really, really nice, but too long. Yeah. Like you say. It would be better if it was a little bit condensed. Yeah, the choreography is sublime. Yeah, and this is the point at which my brain, while we were watching this, was like, Oh no, this is what I remember from when I was a kid about the movie, which is that the song numbers that I liked suddenly turned into these really long dance numbers that I couldn't focus on because I was a child, you know? But, and I say that as a kid who watched Cats at four and sat through the whole thing and was like, yay, (laughs) excellent. But with this one... And it doesn't come in so much with later songs because there are later songs that are show numbers yes. where they sing and then we have a big tap routine or we sing, we have like a big jazz routine and it just 
works better there than it does right here. Yeah, but then I think tap is kind of more dynamic as well. This is really great. And you do have the really beautiful like backdrop of the moon and you have stars and you have the dry ice as fog. It is very romantic and mm. it's a really nice way to establish that something is now different in Phil's life. Yeah. And they conspire to go to Vermont instead of Florida. So the plan was that Bob and Phil were going to go down to Florida to film a Christmas extravaganza. Yes. But uh, Betty and Judy have a job in Vermont at a local inn, Mm -hmm. and they're going to do some performance there. And they conspire at this point for Bob to get surprised and go to Vermont, and they just would rearrange things because, you know, they can see that Bob and Betty have this chemistry. Obviously, Phil and Judy want to spend a little bit more time together. Mm -hmm. But they're going to do it in secret. So Phil takes over planning Florida, much to Bob's surprise and possibly relief. Maybe he's a little overwhelmed. Yeah. But they they, they, they go and he says, I'm sorting out the flights, I'm sorting out the train, everything. Do not worry. And as a result of taking over the planning of Florida, it enables him to sneak Bob onto a train to Vermont. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get snow, which is a really, really fun number, like a really, really upbeat number. Yes. And Bob seems all like, confident they're on the way to Florida and he sees the sisters and he thinks that they're following him to Florida and when he finds out the truth he is not happy whereas everyone else is singing this really upbeat song they're all engaged they're all happy they're desperate to see the snow in Vermont Mm -hmm. he is like the Grinch yeah basically which I don't blame him he's very professional you know it's like their career hinges on their you know the, the expression that you're only as good as your word? Mm-hmm. It's almost like he realises that he, they could lose everything by not fulfilling this obligation. Yeah. And he sees that this isn't just a whim, that this is something that could affect their professional lives. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is just like, snow, snow, snow. My favourite credit is you get Mr. and Mrs. Snoring Man. Yes, and one of my favourite lyrics in this is, I want to wash my hair, my face, my hands in snow. Yeah. Which is, oh my God, the mood when it snows and you're like, ah, oh, let me lie in it. It's amazing. I mean, like, yeah, this, yeah, it's just everything is magical and you want to be the first person to step in it and you yeah. want to, you don't want to ruin it. You want to step on the same steps you did so it all stays so pure and lovely. But at the same time, you just want to rub your face in it and be like, ah. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the best musically designed songs yeah. in this show because it sounds like you're on a train. The way that they're singing. The way that they're harmonising sounds like the long, drawn-out train journey, but also at the same time, the train wheel's turning really, really quickly, and we're going, and we're going, and oh, it's so good. And this is it, but you also have, like, the bopping of them as if they are on an actual train, so they're holding things up, and they're moving up and down. It's not a big, elaborate dance number. It's commitment to the world that we're in. Yeah, and everyone's joining in, because even Betty is excited for this. Yeah, because she didn't know either, but she's all, all on board for this. yeah. But then, as we go on and on and on, Bob is still sat there with his newspaper like, I hate this, <laughs> and you all suck. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. Yeah, the snoring man's great, but they arrive in Vermont, mm-hmm. and the great conclusion to this song is the fact that there is no snow. Yes. So all the visitors want refunds, because they're not going to stay in this hotel. They came to Vermont for a for reason. The snow. Yeah. yeah. And off they go. 
and it means as a result there is no show for the Haynes because you know we we can't keep you. They they say that they'll pay them half mm-hmm. for their troubles, but they can go. Yeah. At this point, I think we need to do a correction. Why? Because we uh, we had a different performer playing Martha. Yes. So we had Sally Ann Triplett, mm-hmm. who has got a great CV, has been in Guys and Dolls as Miss Adelaide. Yep. Was Roxy Hart in Chicago at the Adelphi Theatre. Yeah. Was Donna in Mamma Mia at the Prince of Wales Theatre. Was Grisabella mm-hmm. in the New London Theatre. Cool. Has played Rizzo in Greece at the Dominion Theatre. Mm-hmm. Young Phyllis and Follies. I assume that's one you will recognise more so than me. Yes. But we I are going to watch it at some point. Yes. Played Judy Liza slash Liza in My Judy Garland Life at the Nottingham Playhouse, which sounds quite interesting. Mm. Well, yeah, because you start, because it's for a younger actress, you start as Judy Garland and then you become Liza Minnelli when the older actress comes on to be Judy Garland. Very nice. And was Mrs. Lovett in America off-Broadway? Now, the other thing that Sally Ann Triplett's done... Yes. And it, it is a show we've covered this year quite recently. Funnily enough, a show we released around the time we watched this. Mm-hmm. She played Sue Snell in Carrie in the original cast at yeah. the Royal Shakespeare Company. And she then did the role again in America, in New York, in the original cast. That's really cool. So, uh, very funny that we talked about Carrie as we went to see White Christmas. Also, I saw her in Finding Neverland. Yes, I saw that one. Because she played Madame de Maurier, which is Peter the Kid, is his grandmother. Yeah. And she is sort of one of the like key integral female characters of the show. And she was amazing in that. Yes. So we didn't talk much about her in the preamble, but we, uh, we got an absolutely fantastic Martha. And this is where we meet Martha. And uh, I, do, I think does a really great job. You know, you get this sense that she's really worn down with this life. She is running this in, even though she is not the owner. Mm-hmm. You know, that everything would fall apart if not for her. Yes, kind of because the obviously she's madly in love with the general. Is that what you think she, the reading is? Yeah, okay. but they're of a similar age and Fair or ish, you know. Ish. I thought he was considerably older. I, I think that's just because Sally Ann Triplett looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... You can see there's a romantic interaction. There's something. She feels something, regardless of whether or not it's reciprocated, she's doing it out of love for this man. Yes, and we've kind of jumped the gun a little bit here because we learn as Bob is desperate to leave, he's like, yes, we can go to Florida after all, in comes the general. Yes. stand to attention. And it's a really nice reunion. Yeah, they're not standing like that because they're scared of him. It's respect. They respect him. And I like that. They realise he owns the inn and it's failing. Mm -hmm. And... He, we, we see that he's sending letters and he's got a letter from uh, someone in the army because he wants to be back in and he get he's finally got this letter and it's like, <laughs> what a funny joke. Oh, you always found a way to make us laugh. Yeah, you were always a riot. Yes. Like. And off he goes and we, you know, we learn that Martha is hiding a lot of the bills and mm-hmm. basically says to them, the inn is struggling. We probably aren't going to make it without this revenue that we were going to have. And I don't have the heart to tell him. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get the song, What Can You Do With a General? Yes. 
and Bob hatches a plan. They're going to bring Florida to Vermont, as well as the 151st, to help the general. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like this as an idea that he's now like, do you know what? We're going we're gonna to help this man. Yes. And we're going to do it. We're not going to tell him what we're doing is to benefit him, but we're going to do this, mm-hmm. you know, because it's nice. And it, it's a really nice and genuine thing. Like, it's not a exploitative thing like you might usually get from performers where they're like, oh, look at me, I can do this and I will become it. It's not the prom. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the problem, like, we can latch onto this cause and raise our profile. They do this because this man means oh, something look. to them. Yeah. Oh, and Christmas spirit. And it is really, really nice. I like how this song ends and we see that everyone comes up and they're all going to perform in this barn. And the, the set design, again, for the reveal of the barn is fantastic. It does look like a barn. Mm-hmm. And you, you are kind of like in, in Bob's position of like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And we do meet maybe my favourite character of all, Ezekiel. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because Ezekiel also plays Snoring Man. Yeah, he does. And I really liked Ezekiel. I think he was fantastic. And our introduction <laughs> here is, you know, as every, all the performers are on, we see as a rat and we see him slowly catching the rat. And he becomes... Mike's nemesis. So Mike is the stage manager. Yes. Kind of, like not in a, Mike, not in a serious way. So that's what I was going to say in rebuttal to Ezekiel being your favourite character. Mike was my favourite mm. character. This poor stage manager who's like at his wits end the whole time. We're trying to put on a Broadway spectacular in a barn yeah. and this man is in the way all the time. And just doesn't understand, doesn't have the urgency that you would have working with Broadway. Yeah. And I love it. It's like a nice little comic foil. It's mm-hmm. such a nice thing. And like seeing Mike gradually get more and more stressed out is so nice. Yeah. But then at the end when everything's okay, you're like, good for Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really liked it. I really, really liked it. We get Let Me Sing and I'm Happy. Yes. So Martha was an old star. So Martha, since they showed up, has been making these comments like, oh, there's this local woman who used to be in shows and would love a chance to sing again. And they're like, yeah, yes, tell her to send us her resume. And then eventually... How's this for a resume? Yeah, she basically does that and she sings. And they discover that she's Megaphone Martha. Is that what they called her? I can't remember. It was like the... The white Christmas equivalent of Motormouth Mabel. Yeah. Like, it was something like Megaphone something. And so she's like an ex-Broadway star who was known for never needing to be mic'd in shows because she was so loud and powerful on her own. Yeah. And, yeah, she wows Bob and Phil and she gets cast. Mm -hmm. Really, really nice. We've also, we've not actually spoken about her yet, but we have also met Susan. Yeah, and Martha keeps calling her Susie, and she's like, no, it's Suzanne. But her name is Susan. She's being pretentious yes. and being like, no, it's Suzanne. And she's here for the holidays and here to help Grandad, and is also aware of the struggles that they're facing, and she's loving this kind of culture coming up yes. to Vermont, and she's loving being around these stars, and she wants in. They're like, oh, you're not old enough yet. Yeah, and so this show is Ella Kemp's debut. It's her professional debut and she's 19 years old. She's a graduate from Brighton. Is a graduate from Brighton. 
And she was so cute in this. She and was... I really spent the whole, like, a lot of time being like, how old is this girl? Yeah, right. Because I... she comes across so young. I'm and... surprised that you're telling me now she's 19. Because yeah, I honestly thought she was younger. I thought she was like 16. Which I guess is a credit to her performance and, you know, costume design and everything like that. Absolutely. But yeah, she was she was fantastic here. You know, you know how sometimes you can get like kid actors and they just outstay their welcome or they're noticeably like I, mm-hmm. you expect them to be like a step below the professionals because obviously they're younger. Not with School of Rock, they all hold their ground fantastically. But there are some shows you see kid actors and you're like they're really good for kid actors. Yeah, and I say that with all the love and thought. I am a drama teacher. I work with some amazing children who can act better than i've ever dreamed of acting Mm. but you know how sometimes you're just like kind of like gypsy where they're they're too ott yes and you get that sometimes and not here and it was just brilliant yes that's on netflix now to our listeners in the uk yeah so if you have not seen gypsy you should go back and watch it. And oh, if you we'll have to rewatch it. Yes, and you have to go back to check out the debut episode of It's a Musical podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> to hear our views on Gypsy, but well worth seeing. One of our better jokes. <laughs> One of my favourite bits. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we go on to getting Count Your Blessings Instead of Sheep. Appropriately talked about cows, now we're talking about sheep. I really like this as a, a as a kind of sentence. So Susan cannot sleep because she's just worrying about granddaddy general mm-hmm. and i think it's really sweet you know this is the time of year where kids are all like obnoxious and like christmas christmas i'm getting this i'm getting that la da da yeah she doesn't she's not thinking of anything but her family and specifically this what man she, she looks like yeah, yeah and i think that's a really nice thing and again they do such a good job of very quickly making me care about all of these characters every single one of them i like I want to see them successful. I like the general. I like Martha. I like Ezekiel. I like Mike. Every single character in this show is so likable. Mm-hmm. And I've known some of them for five minutes. Yeah. Arguably, the only ones that I could do without are Rita and Rhoda. They're mm-hmm. the closest thing we have to antagonists. But even them, they're nice at their core. Yeah. It's just a really, really sweet, wholesome way to start your Christmas. So we have this really sweet song where Bob comes out and he basically says, count the things you're happy about, count the things you have in your life. Instead of sheep, that will help you get to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. And Betty comes out and hears this and thinks like, I got you completely wrong. You're not this career-focused, arrogant, obnoxious man. You are a really sweet individual who thinks of others. You're showing that you're thinking of other people. And she puts it around onto him, which is really cute. Yes. Like... She's like, well, you know what I, everybody, you know what they say when you can't sleep? And he's like, oh, what? He's like, count your blessings. And she says it back. Yeah, I like it. it. And it's a really sweet, you know, song. And they smooch. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Smooches. Out comes the general to collect his granddaughter. And they have this door on the stage as part of the set design, which is really great. But because he's holding her. Like, she kicks the door open. She has to kick the door I got really worried that he's going to like bang her head on the door (laughs) or something. It's like. Again, I work with kids. I'm fully aware that we can have these great intentions, but mm-hmm. you watch it sometimes when you do staging for the first time in the theatre and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe no one's been injured yet. Yeah. Because there's such great excitement and I watch it with that hat as opposed to a theatre audience member. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. The next day, Ralph rings to update. Right. This is where the plot gets convoluted. 
So I'm going to I'm going to try my best to explain what happens. You know, please correct me if I've gone wrong. The next day, Ralph, who is Dogface, yeah, rings to update Bob on the plan to get the 151st to the inn. Yes. But he gets Martha instead. And this results in a muddled message because Martha thinks that Bob is going to buy the inn and he's going to kick the general out. Mm-hmm. So she tells Betty, who is heartbroken and considers a job offer for a solo gig, and then she confronts Bob and says she knows all about the plan. And Bob is all like, yeah, I think it's a great plan, don't you? She goes, I can't believe you would do that to that poor old man. And there's this big misunderstanding. Neither of them actually speak about yeah. what the problem is, which is one of my pet peeves in any story. <laughs> I know. Have I got that right? Have I missed anything out? I don't think so. We basically, like you say, we get the play out of... He's doing this thing. Martha overhears, doesn't understand, feeds it to Betty. Betty doesn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> and Betty's like instinct is like, oh, you suck. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's her Armenian instinct. She doesn't trust people very easily. And it's the one thing that I have as an issue with this show is... It's like the timescales of everything. It is like Romeo and Juliet. So much has to happen in such a quick thing because we know we're on this deadline of by Christmas. Yes. So a lot has to happen within the narrative quickly. And this is such like a, God, just sit these two down and get them to actually talk. And you'll realise this is a whole misunderstanding. You know, Betty is an idiot. Why doesn't she say this show because it's from the fifties? Yeah, is pre that cliche. I, and I so agree. Yeah, it's like probably one of the originators. Of. And I'm not saying the originator, yeah. but like it's around that time that this kind of misunderstanding. It's a screwball comedy trope. Yeah, and in it's fact, like, oh no, what will we do? Oh, in like, the same we way, misunderstood each other. This, and, like it happens a lot in musicals. And this trope does go as far back as Commedia dell'arte with mistaken identity. Just look at well, one man, two governors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In Shakespeare, this is an old trope. Mm-hmm. This is probably in the fifties when you don't get as many films out as you do nowadays. Like, look, look at the holiday. Another Christmas classic will no doubt be watching. And Arthur's like, back in the old days, one picture would launch. And, you know, you'd have a whole weekend or a month to make your money. It's not like Mm. it is nowadays where you've got to be successful in your first weekend. Yeah. You know. Well, and, like, this goes all the way back to, like, Greek tragedy, you know? Later in the swan. Yeah, I mean, that's that's purposeful misunderstanding. (laughs) Well, in the same way with Oedipus, let's go back to it. If only his adopted parents said, you're adopted, you're not going to kill us and marry me. Yep. Sort it out. So stay with us. Yeah. Because, you know, they would have averted that whole crisis. But yes, she's going to take this job offer and we get blue skies, which is a fun way to culminate Act One. Yes, because it's it's not the actual performance. This is the rehearsal performance yes. of Blue Skies, which is great because they're doing their full dress rehearsal. Yeah, and Bob hasn't got a care in the world, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting. He's gone from this kind of weird interaction to like, he's like, okay, but off I go. I'm going to do my day job. Yeah, he's very much... This show must go on about everything because he's it's his name yeah. on the marquee. Like people are there for him. But one of the things I like is it's almost like that's the one place he's happy. He has no not a care in the world because yeah. he's on stage. There's nothing else but the stage, but the show. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that about him. Yeah, and that's definitely why he has been single for so long as well. Yeah, it's because that's like where he's been living in this carefree, happy place. Yeah. Act two. 
we come in with our nice little entract, which is yep. always fun. I love proper overtures. Like, yeah. I miss that a lot with more modern musicals, especially because we watch a lot of movie musicals. We don't get the intervals, and I miss that. I want more intervals. I, as long as they're not like Funny Girl, where I think the Blu-ray's broken. That is still the most bizarre thing we've ever watched, where we were sat for like five minutes watching a black screen with no music playing, and we were like, is Netflix broken? Yeah. What's happening right now? It's very, very weird. Yeah, I like this. We also have Let Yourself Go as part of the Interact. Oh Yes, their the other rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, which is fun. And then we go into I Love a Piano. Mm-hmm. And I love tap. Yes. I really, like, it's such... It's such a weird thing of mine. If you put tap in a show, I'm having a great time because there's something so silly about the idea that all we're doing is just tapping our feet to a beat. But like, I love the little tap shoes. I love the noise they make. Mm. I just love everything about it. You're going to send our kids to tap dance, aren't you? Yeah, they can do ballet and tap. (laughs) There's just something about tap dance that just makes me smile. And I don't, I can't justify it. It's not like it's better than some of the other dancing we see. It's probably got something to do with like, the tap beat and like your heart rate or something yeah. it, like it'll do something to it but i just like, like, the cats sur- like the surrealism thing of it like we're not in my mind i'm establishing this whole weird routine that isn't happening in front of me to this tap mm. but also just the precision that you need you get it wrong you don't make the right noise i just think that's so interesting yeah and like so stylized and i just love it <laughs> there's a bit in um well so we're never gonna see Something Rotten. No. But we listen to it all the time, a couple of the songs from it anyway. And obviously one of the main ones we listen to is It's a Musical, which is how I chose the name for this podcast. Yes. Fun bit of trivia. <laughs> Based off of that song. And one of the lines in that song is you tap your lap, then finger snap, and then your feet began to tap. And then they do a tap break. And it's yeah. one of the best tap breaks, I think, ever. Yeah. I also have to say here, you know, credit to Diego Pitark. Mm-hmm who is the costume designer, because the costumes here are fantastic. So I love that Phil and Judy have, like, full tux and dress, but the ensemble come out with smaller dress versions of what Judy's wearing. Dance dress versions, yeah. yeah. But then also, like, the waistcoat version of what Phil's wearing. So it's enough to show yeah, who your main it's performer is. a nice showgirl outfit. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's enough to be like, here's a difference. Anyone could walk in at this moment and know, who your main performer is, like, who your ensemble is. Yeah, who's but your they, featured performer. Yes, but they look just as stylized and important. And mm. it's very clear, like, you can see you can see where the inspiration comes from. This is, like, what you get on Project Runway, where you're, like, create a big number mm-hmm. for Fashion Week, but now create an everyday version of it. Yeah. So this is one of Irvin Berlin's songs that he regarded as one of his best. Yeah. He thought this was, like, one of his best efforts as a song. And... It was originally used for a musical review called Stop, Look, Listen. Yep. And in the show, the set for it was a giant keyboard that ran across the stage. And then in front of it were six pianos who played, who the pianist played the tune all together. But then it's been in everything. Like it's in Easter Parade, the movie with Judy Garland. Uh, Kermit the Frog covered it on the Muppet Show, which means it's amazing. Instantly, the best version of this song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's been in a load of different things, and loads and loads of different artists have put it onto their own recordings, their own albums as covers. 
because people love this song. Yeah. I love this song. I think it's, it's a really nice song. I, I really enjoyed this. And I think it's a really nice way to start act two. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's one of those songs that could go a little bit long. But yeah. it feels right here because it does feel like you are watching a stage performance of its time. Yes. You know, and because that's what they're trying to do is they're creating, you know, this extravaganza. Mm-hmm. This is what they would put out on there, and it fits, and I really like it. Yes. It ends with a moment of chaos. Judy sees Phil flirting with Rita and Rhoda, and she gets really, really angry, which cues How yeah. I Met Your Mother, Circle of Shouting. Yes. So Usually. Rita shouts at Phil, who shouts at Bob. Mm-hmm. You also have the general, who shouts at Martha, because she's been hiding the bills. Oh, there's a really nice bit during Blue Skies. We didn't talk oh, about like it. Chasing but he's other. chasing, yeah, chasing him across because mm-hmm. uh, he's he's discovered the bills. And because they're chasing him across, Mike then runs across, and then Ezekiel follows Mike across, and yeah. then Mike turns around and is like, "No, get off the yeah. stage!" But again, we also back. have this moment here. So Mike is shouting at Ezekiel for not being a pro, mm-hmm. and after all this chaos happens, it leaves the stage with just Ezekiel on it, and he looks to the audience and he sings. I love a piano. He does a little, sh- uh, like, soft shoe. And it's so much fun. It's, so, it's so much fun. And it gets, like, one of the biggest whoops of the night. It really did, because, like, at this point, you're like, oh, my God, this guy is so annoying, because he's so slow. Yeah. But also, we love him. Yeah, it's really, really fun. It's a really nice moment. Martha has found Judy and told her that Betty was packing... So they go to speak to her to figure out what's happening and why. Because obviously Judy's like, you can't leave me in the lurch. Mm-hmm. We're, we're sisters. Like that's our, that's our act. And this is where we get, falling out of love can be fun. I love this song. No way, no how, falling out of love. Yeah, this song is so funny as like a... Like in any other musical at this moment, there would be some kind of ballad. Yes. And we actually save that ballad for a little bit later on. And I love that because it's nice to have that ballad moment come when the love interest can see that happen. Yes. Whereas here, what we have instead is three women just supporting each other and being like, yeah, men suck. Yeah, like they're all complaining about their individual man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, like they got 99 problems and a man is most definitely one of them. Yeah. I really, really liked it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Susan comes as well to tell um, how they're all needed and they tell her to tell the men to wait. They'll be there when they're there. Yes. And Susan's just like, I am learning so much from you wiser <laughs> women. Yeah. And she comes back on stage in a moment very much like... Well, so Betty says to Susan, Suzanne, um, you can tell Bob to take a long walk off of a short pier. Yes. And she, when she gets back to Bob, she's like, Betty says you can take a long walk off of a short pier. And she's like, she doesn't really get it. No. Oh my god! Oh no, it's a short ski jump. Yeah, something, but she doesn't understand. She it. doesn't really understand, fun. and Bob's just like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I really so Betty leaves, mm. and you've got the sense that, and again, I like Judy's this bit. happy for hey, her. This is what I really like. Judy is happy for her. She doesn't care that their act is broken. She's like, this is a great opportunity, and I do not blame you for taking it. Yes, because the the role, I guess, that she's got, she's going to be the lead, like 
nightclub or lead performer for like Christmas in a big venue in a big hotel she'd be like the performer in a hotel now like Whoopi Goldberg she's gonna screw herself out like by the end of this like she's burnt that contract by the oh, end of 100%, this but, yeah. yeah so she leaves and then you know we obviously have Phil and Bob panicking mm-hmm. they're trying to set the lights getting ready and the girls are nowhere in sight yep. so they have to do the only thing they can do but Bob doesn't know that Betty's left yet, so yeah. that we're still in good spirits. We're still in good spirits. So the they decide we can do... is to do the song themselves. Yes, so I think they that's grab great. The fans, and they do sisters immaculately, like spot they do on. Sisters, it's I... so funny. It's great, and it, again, it's not. You know how we've complained sometimes about the trope where you know men will have to do less than masculine things, and that's why we're laughing at them because they they feel awkward. Yeah, and that really again another outdated trope that. Screw it, gender is mm-hmm. nonsense. Yes, whereas in this version... They are having a time of their life. They don't care. And it's such a callback to what they were like in the army yes. at the beginning. This is them being silly and having a laugh with something, not them being like... Embarrassed that we have to, like close the set. Yeah. yeah. Everyone on stage is part of it. They're all laughing with them. It's mm-hmm. this really nice, wholesome environment. Yeah. And I really like it. Because if the butt of the joke was, you know, Bob's discomfort having to do a female performance, the character would be dead to me. Mm-hmm. They're not. And the reason this song is so great is because they are having a great time together. This is the family, like, holiday that mm-hmm. they all want. Tis the season to be jolly. And they... Oh. Yeah, and they they really are, and it's great. But it does come crashing down because they learn Betty has left and Bob loses it. And he shouts at everyone to leave. And the general comes out and he says that a good captain is resourceful and he convinced him to go back to New York City and chase his love. And Mm. it's really nice, wise words from a man he respects. And I like the fact that the only person that this can work for is the general... Yeah. He's the only person that ranks above Bob. And it's just the fact that he has a human moment with him. They're not talking war and strategy like that. Mm-hmm. He uses that vernacular for the most amazing reasons of like, you're being a bad captain. Yeah. Because you love her and you've not been honest to yourself. Mm-hmm. And a good manager, a good captain knows their resources and yeah. is honest about them. And it's really, really nice. And yeah, I love the fact that Bob is like, okay, I am going. I will go and I will chase her. Mm-hmm. I don't know what special train they are using to get there or special taxis. Yeah. You know, Christmas time is notoriously difficult for travel. Mm-hmm. You know, he's is he driving in his car, driving home for Christmas? My least favourite Christmas song of all, but you know. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's nice. And he gets to... Uh, her show and he watches her perform love you didn't do me right and he responds with how deep is the ocean Mm -hmm. and she gets her big break and she nails it and i think she's phenomenal in this like there's such a raw emotion to performance and like you said this is where we get that ballad number yeah and he's made it in time to watch her and he kind of realizes how how much he's hurt her but he doesn't understand what he's done Mm -hmm. which again i from her perspective, you can see why she's hurt. It's great. It's just a misunderstanding. Yes. And the fact that it's all like put into the open finally here. Well, yeah, he, he watches and he then goes, he asks what he did and she won't speak to him. She just says, if you don't know, 
what you did, then what's the point in us talking about it? Mm. And I'm just like, ah, ah, come on, just talk about it, please. Because you're not going to get it resolved if you don't talk about it. But enter Ralph. Yes. <laughs> so she thinks that Ralph is an estate agent. Mm-hmm. But it's very weird because she's supposed to be family to Ralph. So how does she not know... No, Ralph Sheldrake isn't. Oh, okay. So that's where I got confused. I thought Ralph was Dogface Haynes. Okay, so I mis misintroduced him then the first time, saying that he was Dogface. But yeah, so he comes out. She thinks he's his real estate agent, and you know, he tells Bob half the letters are lost in the holiday mail, and Bob asks for a slot on the Ed Sullivan show. He gets it. Yeah. And he leaves, and it's like Betty, you're amazing. I don't begrudge you. Best of luck. He leaves and Betty's left with Ralph and he's like, so you're not an estate agent? Yeah. She's like, I think you need to catch me up here. Mm-hmm. And the scene ends. But her song, we did, you know, like it is a really, really beautiful song. And I love just Bob watching on the sidelines and singing along to different bits. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. And it's you so just, cute. it's like a moment, he's a fan. Yeah. It's just really, really cute. And even though she's potentially screwing over his big plan. He's happy for her as well. Mm -hmm. There's none of this toxic masculinity, like, you left me, I'm going to make sure you never work in this town again. It's just, I'm proud of you. Yeah. It's really nice. Oh, my God, this musical is so wholesome. Mm -hmm. It really is. The whole thing (laughs) is just like... It's so wholesome and great. We're just all nice to each other. Yeah, this is the world we should have. He goes... On the Ed Sullivan show again. Mm -hmm. We get the old man. And it's this really nice plea to get more people in attendance. And I really like the cross-cutting to the GIs. Because I really like that they're just sat there watching TV. And he's talking directly to the the camera. He's in his casual clothes. And they just watch. And he's like, look, I know it's too much to ask. Because you've all got families and lives now. But if you can do this, please come. And it's great. It's this really nice moment where you see them on the other side of the stage. And they, they get up and they rise to the occasion. It's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. We're back in Vermont and all are worried that Bob isn't back yet. And he appears and he says he was unsuccessful with Betty. Again, this plot. They, they must have, for this to work, they have to have been on the same train. Yeah. To get back. It's one of those things that I, again, I understand there is a timeline to this. There's a deadline. Maybe they could have started the story like a week earlier, but. Mm. I understand that as a, a you know that time limit because we have to get it done by Christmas, but sometimes it just sucks my entertainment out of it when I'm trying to like look at the timeline and I'm like, yeah, this is this is too ideal, like because it wouldn't work. There's yeah, and it's just, it happens. The magic of Christmas. It is the magic of Christmas, but it just happens so quickly at times. I'm just like, if you could explain this, that they've been doing this for a week. Or that you've still got three days before the performance. He's going to go to New York to try and get it back. He gets back with the day, you know, three days. You know, it takes him three days, but he gets back. Or like the morning of, not the evening of. Yeah, it's all just so like idealistic. And they set up some kind of like, oh no. And it's instantly resolved. Mm -hmm. Which again, this is a Christmas thing. You know, it sounds bad to complain about it with this film. It is what it is. Yeah. But it just, it doesn't go to my storytelling desires, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like the, the moment you do realise that Romeo and Juliet is three days, it's just laughable. Mm-hmm. It kind of sucks you out of the real emotion to it. 
Yeah. But this is, I mean, we're overthinking it. No one's supposed to talk about White Christmas in this much detail. We say that every time we talk about anything. Yes. So we get another excellent reprise. This show has so many good reprises. Yeah. Which is that Susie comes out and does her version of Let Me Sing and I'm Happy. Yes. Because she's suddenly obsessed with all the Broadway stuff. Yeah. Martha's now her idol. So yeah. she sings her little version and of it. Really, really and they're nice. like, okay, you can be in the show, yeah. honey. It's really good. This is the other thing that confuses me. Mm. Because now the plan's in full motion and suddenly Martha's remembered what the plan was in the first place. Oh no, they've told her. Oh, okay. Is that what it was? That she... Yeah, she's like, oh, Phil's told me the whole thing. Yeah. And I just, she doesn't know until after Betty's Okay, left. I thought she knew, and they were just like, she remembers this. No. Okay, that's fine then. So yeah, I was going to say, that could have saved a heck of a lot of hassle. We also learn that Phil and Judy are engaged. Yes, we do, after much messing around. We, we, we can confirm, it's a question that's often been asked of us. Mm-hmm. We don't know if Phil got down on one knee. Oh my God, yeah. We don't see it, so, you know... Unlike me, who did get down on one knee for the record. Congratulations. Everyone always asks, first thing. Yeah, that is weird. If you if you are somebody who's engaged or married and one of our listeners, let us know if the first thing everybody asked when you got engaged was if he got down on one knee. Or if they got down on one knee. Yeah, but I I feel like this is such a like weird male coded thing. Yeah, but in the same way for same sex couples. Did your partner get down on one knee? Yeah. The person who's doing the proposing, did they get down on one knee? Mm-hmm. Because I'd it... like to know. I'd be interested to know. I'm gonna do a survey at some point because it's really <laughs> it's literally the first thing everybody says. Right? And I'm like, I have photographic proof I did it. I don't know. But like, it's not like... It is the most difficult... Was it romantic? Did you cry? Was it beautiful? Like, are you so happy? Yes, to all of those things. But those aren't the first thing anyone asks. They're like, oh my God, you're engaged. Did he get down on one knee? And it's like, what? That's what you're asking me? Perhaps it's just the people you're asking know me and they just have the lowest opinion of me. Apparently. (laughs) But yes, so they've got engaged off stage and... Everyone, yeah. We've had this great number, let me sing and I'm happy reprise. And then we get the general comes back and he's got a letter this time from the president. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. And we this learn, is sad. it is sad, we learn he's back in the army and now he can wear his uniform with pride. He's like, now I can do that mm-hmm. because they want him to wear his uniform at this show. And he's like, well, I can't do that. It's not really appropriate. And Martha says that she's going to help find his medals and get him ready. And it is a really nice tender moment. It is one of those moments where you sense there is more than just this boss-employee relationship. Yes. The cast are all giving their gifts to one another. They're celebrating Christmas before the show begins. Mm-hmm. When sudden... And like this, because they're off stage. There's a Christmas tree and Ezekiel's handing out gifts dressed as Santa. And then we have, like, the, the flies come in and we have, like, a wall to create the front desk. Yes. And Bob's just, like, a little bit let down when Betty enters. Mm-hmm. And again, we get a really nice reprise of how deep is the ocean. She's back and she's sorry for doubting him and they kiss and all is well. Yes, indeed. And then, obviously, we have to go to, and do the show. But we before we get that, we get a really nice moment where Micah, the stage manager, is talking to his class about how we did it mm-hmm. and he talks about how they've done the impossible and well done for not losing their call. 
Which is the, like, the best bit about Mike, where he's, like, been losing his call the whole time. He's like, and we did it. We did it without losing our call. And everyone else is just like, yeah, okay. Uh, Nice. And I'm pretty sure he has, like, a weird moment with Ezekiel as well, which I liked. Yeah, they have a moment where they're like, Ezekiel, do the thing! Yeah, and it's like, he's finally able to enjoy it. Now that the pressure's off, everything's ready, and he knows that they're okay. Mm -hmm. He can just enjoy the moment. Yes. Oh, and I really like this moment. We get the old man again. Yeah, so Martha brings the general out onto the stage yes. and he's like what's happening why are we doing this it's so ridiculous because he thinks he's just going to go and sit in the audience and enjoy the show yeah. you know and as he comes out really quietly the old man starts to sing play again yeah and the way that it's played they play it through the back speakers of the auditorium to imply that we are as if we're the ones doing it and so the general looks around and he suddenly realises that we, the audience, are his old troop and his old troop's families and yes. wives. And, and it's like, this really nice moment. He's like, it's been 10 years and to see you all here in front of me fills my heart with joy. And it is nice. And he looks at people and he's like, who'd have thought you would have ever grown up to have this beautiful family, you scrawny little thing. Yeah, you like, know, like, that's your wife? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, it's this really nice moment where they're having to It's like, no time has passed. It's like... Oh, and he looks into the audience and he's like, and you, dog face. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, so how are you doing? It is really, really nice. I do want to talk about how good Duncan Smith is as mm-hmm. General Waverley. Again, sometimes you get older performers on it that just... Well, there's like a very famous musical theatre joke. Yeah. Uh, that's actually quite recent where... Um, I can't, I don't can't remember off the top of my head who it was. They did a performance where they dressed up as an old man and sang a parody song called The Old Man Song. Yes. Where they made fun of old man songs in musicals. And General Waverly doesn't get a song in no. the show, which is interesting. But that kind of song is so easily parodied because usually that's the popcorn song. Yes. You know, where you're like, okay. Which is a shame because there's like some amazing songs like Waitress and we will cover Waitress well, even Waitress, though we've seen it. But that one doesn't fit into that no, category. No, it doesn't. But it's still like, yeah, you add such great moments with these vulnerable older characters. And like you've said many a time before is that when bad things happen to old old people, you feel bad. Yeah, it's it just this really nice moment because sometimes, you know, it's almost like as well, the directors know that the older performers they're working with are going to get that reaction, so they don't really give them the credit they should. Mm-hmm. Duncan Smith, fantastic CV. In terms of film credits, we've actually already seen something he's been in. Yeah. He's not, you know, a character I recognise, but he was in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Who was he? Doesn't say. But we're going to have to rewatch Mamma Mia and look for Duncan Smith. But has a fantastic CV. So it was Judge Turpin in Sweeney Todd. It was Mr. Shinekopf in Fame. Yeah. Has been in The Sound of Music. Was Don Attilo in Phantom of the Opera at Her Majesty's Theatre. Yeah. Has been in Kiss Me Kate. Oh, cool. Which is a great show that at some point we are going to have to watch. Yeah. Because I believe there is now a pro shot. Was in Anything Goes at the National Theatre and Theatre Royal on Drury Lane. Henry Miller in Calamity Jane at Shaftesbury Theatre. Yes. Has also has played an, another version of Kiss Me Kate. So he's played as Gangster One, but also Pops. Mm-hmm. Mr. Farthing in Kez. Mayor Muffin in Doctor Doolittle. 
and has played at the Perth Theatre in Jesus Christ Superstar. You yeah. know, a really, really lovely CV and a really nice moment for this this performer. I think it was really... And I quite like the breaking the fourth wall aspect of we are his troops. We are the 151st. Mm-hmm. And it's this really nice moment that, you know, it's the only time this happens where they break the fourth wall and it's like, uh, but it works and we accept it really, yeah. really well. And he gives this really, really great speech that culminates with, I'm staying put. And I really like that, that he he realises now mm-hmm. he hasn't been putting all his effort into into you know running the inn. He's been a general who just happened to have an inn, but now he's going to go full in. Yes. Ba-dum-tsh. And I really like that moment where he's like, mm-hmm. I will not find joy in my life from going back and repeating another chapter in my life. Mm-hmm. But I will find pleasure from giving this my all. And thank you for being here today to help inspire me to do the right thing. Yes. And then we get the Christmas show beginning. We get White Christmas, which mm-hmm. is just like amazing as a song. Yeah. There's... And it's really nice that they sing... They sing the first verse in the chorus yeah. and then Bob steps forwards and is like, and we know you all know the words, join in with us. And we got so snow. It snowed. And we're all sat there singing White Christmas and it's snowing and we're all just sat there like, oh my God. Yeah. It was really, 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 really just lovely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those moments you're like, I know this song and I can enjoy this. And it just was like, oh, it is Christmas. Mm-hmm. I know it's October 30th, but it's Christmas. Yes. You know, it's so nice. And it is great. We get a nice encore song with I've Got My Love to Keep Me Warm. Mm-hmm. It's a really cute little encore song. It's obviously not part of the plot. It's just this really nice way to send the audience home happy. Yep. And that's White Christmas. Yeah. Really, really fun. And I really, really enjoyed this. Um, it certainly makes you want to see the film. And if this show was to come back, I would make it a holiday routine you know mm-hmm. come christmas I, I would make sure to go see this this would be more so than going to see a pantomime which i'm very excited watch this space because you know we are going to be releasing an episode this week covering the woking theater pantomime so watch this space come friday mm-hmm. but in terms of a christmas tradition seeing this would be great and I, I would i would go see it again and again it's not without issues we'll talk about that when i give it my star rating but what is your best song in this that isn't White Christmas? My my best song is White Christmas. Obviously, it's it's a classic. It's iconic. But what is your best song that isn't White Christmas? See, I want to say Falling Out of Love can be fun. Yes. Because I love that song. I think it's really funny. But I think I have to say Sisters because... But specifically which sisters? Both of them. Yeah. I love that song. I think it's hilarious. And I know all the words to it and sing it all the time. A second to that would be snow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I did say Sisters is, outside of White Christmas, Sisters is my best song. And like you said, I did write down the reprise, but the reprise only works because the first version's so good. Yes. And they're on par with each other. Mm-hmm. And I would put both on a playlist. I would say that Snow is also up there as well. Like Snow, snow definitely feels like the most musical theatre yes. storytelling song yeah. everything else is so like classical snow is the only thing here that feels like we're watching a musical mm-hmm. which is fun for that reason do you have a skip song i guess it's it, it's harder to call it a skip song in this is there a song that uh, we play so like hard and loose with this yeah if i put it on a playlist i would i would skip over it 
yeah but like in the same way these songs are all great and they all work really well and if you had to rank them one to bottom what would it be that bottom slash skip song outside of the context of this show i would not listen to count your blessings no and that's fine however in the context of the show i think it's a beautiful song yeah but i wouldn't listen to it on its own i will say that my skip song is i've got my love to keep me warm I was just enjoying okay. clapping, and I don't think the song adds much to it. It's mm. obviously a nice thing to have, like, a post-curtain call finale. Yeah. But it doesn't add anything to the show. Therefore, it doesn't take anything away from the show. This is true. So that 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 reason is my skip song. Mm-hmm. You know. Who do you want to play? I want to play... I want to play Bob. Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I don't often go for the main characters. Mm-hmm. It just feels, like, self-indulgent. But sometimes you've got to. I, I like Bob. I would also say I would quite happily play Mike. I'd quite happily play uh, Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. I'd love to play the general mm-hmm. as an older actor. There's some really nice characters, but I just really like Bob. And I like the fact that like he starts off this charm and you have like angry sides. You have like disappointed sides to him. Yeah. Who would you want to play? I want to play Betty. <laughs> yeah, and Betty was fantastic. Both Both the... Haynes' sisters were great, but Jessica Daly really was great. Yes, and she like her whole performance was wonderful. Because there was some lovely vulnerability to her, which you didn't get with Judy. Yes, and this falls into very traditional musical theatre plot lines where you have the... With, like It's quite Rodgers and Hammerstein in that you have the A romance and the B yeah. romance, and Phil and Judy are the B romance, which is unfortunate... Because I like them both as characters yes. a lot. However, they also dance a lot more. Mm-hmm. So well, and that's the reason that I'm going to say Phil's my MVP. Mm. Because I feel like the dancing, like Phil, had the bulk of the dancing, mm. and I, I think he he did an amazing job. And he also got this really nice character across very very quickly. Yeah, didn't become too unlikable, which that sort of character can come across as. I think he he he, he stayed the right side of the line. His dancing was phenomenal. All the dancing's phenomenal is, but I think for him especially, Phil has some really great dance sequences. Yeah. I'm going to say my MVP is Sally Ann Triplett. Yes. Because she could have been so much more over the top. Yes. And I have seen versions of Martha's character where she is more over the top and she's more like in your face all the time. Yeah. Whereas this character had moments of like quietness and she could draw back a bit and then when she does reveal herself to be megaphone martha or whatever the actual name yeah. is she you're like oh my god yes that makes perfect sense of course you're this ex-broadway mm. like diva like amazing so yeah my that's her for me yeah over to instagram and twitter on instagram we had 82 percent of people say yes they are a fan and i did say you know not necessarily just of this stage production, but of the show as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, this is a, a regional UK tour. Not everyone will see this version, but including the film, who's a fan? Interesting response from Elena. Yeah. I so enjoy the film. I am of Crosby blood. So I can say without a doubt, it's a classic and will be treasured always in my heart. What? And she, she told me about how she is related to being Crosby. What? So very, very interesting. Thank you, Elena. Cool. Very, very cool. Over on Twitter, I actually, for the first time this week, included that I've never seen it. 
somebody had said in the past, you know, past weeks, mm. oh, I've never seen this one. I think it was with Blood Brothers last week. So I said, I'm going to include that from now on, just because I'm interested to see how many people engage and haven't seen these. And I'd be interested to know, those of you who have voted and said, I've never seen it, do we make you want to see it? Yes. Some people, I we've again, we've spoken about this many a time. You will watch podcasts or YouTube videos, you know, you'll consume content mm. that discusses properties you've not seen. Yes, and I like to do that because I'm a weirdo who likes to hear spoilers before I go into see Whereas something. I am not. <laughs> I have to watch I something. The difference... Mostly because if there is going to be something in it that's going to upset me, I want yeah. to know that in advance. I think the difference with me is one of my favourite podcasts is the Attitude Era podcast, which is mm-hmm. talking about wrestling specifically, the Attitude Era. And I came into wrestling as a fan in 2000. Yeah. And I will be honest, pre-getting the WWE Network, it was expensive to get pay-per-views, mm-hmm. you know, especially the old DVDs. So I hadn't had the access to go back to like 1997 and start watching these shows. So listening to them review the matches and the storylines, yeah. that was a great way for me to learn about this history of this time. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly some of them, they made me want to go back and watch old matches. So there, there is certainly something to listening to content about things you haven't seen. Yeah. But when it comes to film or like book reviews, for me, it's like, no, I have to experience. I know I can't this. do that for books, though. Okay, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what the plot of a book is. But I would know the the like the blurb, but I wouldn't read the synopsis. It's one of the great things that Ray does with her bookshop series on yeah. Not Before Coffee. Ray doesn't give spoilers. She talks about things and gives a very broad overview. And if she enjoyed the book and like characters she liked, that for me is the best way to do a book review. Mm-hmm. She does it really well, I think. You know, it's difficult to avoid spoilers. And obviously we've we've gone and <laughs> we've given a full spoiler, you know, review. But I guess White Christmas is old enough that if you're not seen it by now, you're like me. And if you watched the movie when yeah. you were younger and you didn't like the movie very much. Yeah. Well, go and see the stage show because it is better. Yeah. Well, I did say, again, on Twitter, I did say regardless of seeing the stage show or the film, are you a fan? So 29% of people have said, I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Maybe for the same reasons as me, it just looks old and dated. And if you're not a fan of that, you know, era of cinema already, yeah, Mark Christmas isn't going to change your mind. 7% said it's okay, it's not my fave. Mm-hmm. 14% no, blue skies over snow. I was quite pleased with that one. Yep. And 50% of people said, yes, I'm dreaming. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, 50% high majority on Twitter and Instagram of people who enjoy this show. Yeah. I gave this four stars. I think it's beautifully performed. I think every single actor on stage did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And I think the crew also did a great job. Obviously, everyone plays their part brilliantly. But uh, the set design, Michael Taylor, amazing set designs that really felt immersive. Yeah. Costumes by Diego Pitark. Beautiful, elegant, classical costumes mm-hmm. that felt part of this era of Broadway. The lighting by Mark Henderson. Some really beautiful lighting in this show. Especially during uh, the singing, dancing song that we said went a little bit too long. The uh, falling in... What is it? The one with the moon early on before they go to Vermont. Yeah. Like... The, the 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 lighting design of that really really helped make 
the best things happen whilst you're dancing really like beautiful and romantic mm-hmm. choreography Stephen Mid great job like and the whole cast you know obviously you've got a choreographer but the whole cast have to pull their weight it choreography is phenomenal in this and just ultimately a beautiful production amazing direction by Ian Talbot mm-hmm. the reason I give this four stars as opposed to five stars and I think Ian from best film ever would agree with me there are certain tropes that when I see them do put me off a little bit. And I've seen this whole two characters who aren't on the same page thing to the point it's detrimental, but eventually they will communicate and get over it thing. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, like you say, this is probably one of the, the first times it's done in Hollywood. Mm. But in 2021, it's just, it's frustrating to watch. And again, you know, th- this is so quick and I'm thinking how logistically have they been able to get to New York City and back at Christmas time? You know, suspension of disbelief is one thing, but it happens very quickly. And it's that that in terms of the storytelling that stops it. So it's not to fault this production, because this production is beautiful. Apparently taking the train from New York City to Vermont would take 15 hours. There we go. That's insane. That's a day and six hours. Yeah. So, you know, that's it for me. It, it feels it feels unfair to judge this production with those, you know, th- th- those comments because obviously it is inspired by the film. Yes. But you've said the film is already quite different. They've made a few changes. Yeah. You could change a little bit, you know, start it on December 1st mm-hmm. and have it like December 18th. She goes off. Mm. You know, just small details like that would really, really help me. Yeah. What did you give this production? Five stars. It was amazing. I had the best time watching this. And like I say, obviously all I've seen is the film before and clips of other versions of other shows and uh, Amdram versions. Yes. But this was by far the best production of White Christmas I've ever seen. And... I love the film, and obviously it's the original source material. Yep. But I really, really like the way that they adapted this version from this tour. I would see this again, like I've already said. Mm-hmm. I'd be quite happy for this to become a Christmas tradition. Yeah, me too. You know, in the same way, like Arthur Christmas will be like a Christmas Eve film. You yeah. know, like you watch it last thing before Christmas time, before before bed on Christmas, because you're like sums up the spirit you know it's really really nice. Mm-hmm. It was great, and I, I really liked it. And credit to everyone. If you get a chance to see the show, do. Yeah. And if you listen to this before you can see the show, watch it out for it, hopefully, to come next year. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to enjoy next week's musical the same way. Oh, I'm going to enjoy it. Oh, we're going to enjoy it, but not for the same way. No. What are we watching next week as we are fully in the Christmas spirit? Well, so first of all, as you've already mentioned, we'll be seeing a pantomime next week. Yes. But we are also going to be watching... The smash musical of 2020, The Grinch. <laughs> With Matthew Morrison as a sexy Grinch. And Boo Boo Stewart as Max the Dog. Which probably is better that we're watching it now as opposed to last year. Because I have a bit of appreciation for Boo Boo Stewart outside of Twilight. Yes, because of Descendants. We also have one of the performers that we have seen in Once Upon a Mattress. Because we have... The Prince in it. Oh, cool. Who also... Derek. Derek O'Hare. Yeah. 
I should know that surname, that's fine. The, no. Uh, he's in it. Obviously, I, I've realised since. Mm-hmm. He's in True Blood, season three, as Vampire King. But yes, we are having Dennis O'Hare in it. Yep. Yeah. I'm very excited. So I'm I'm very excited. I love the Grinch, and we will talk about that next next episode. Yes, do. Because uh, otherwise, what's the point? And then to keep us in, you know, this to get us into the Christmas spirit, spirit. Because it feels like, you know, we're having two musicals where we're not quite ready for Christmas. We're then going to cover the Kelsey Grammer Christmas Carol, the musical. Yes, indeed. With uh, Mr. Alan Menken. Composing the songs. Excellent stuff. I'm very, very excited. And we've got some more exciting things on the horizon for you to get involved with. For instance, our year in review. Let us know your favourite musical of all the musicals we have covered this year. You can find a full comprehensive list over on Twitter and on Instagram of the musicals we've covered this year. Give us a top 10, a top 5, or even just tell us your favourite and tell us why it's your favourite. And we are going to release our favourite musicals of, of the year that we've talked about and we want to hear from you and you can also get involved in the best film ever real round table as they are going to be talking the best movie musicals of all time the only rules are no animation and no pro shots so no Hamilton and we are very very excited that we're going to be joining the best film ever gang for their latest real round table so if you want to get involved all you need to do is tweet at best film ever, your top five movie musicals of all time, ranked, one being the best, five being the lowest, with the hashtag real, R-E-E-L, roundtable, hashtag BFE top five. And I'm very excited. I've got my top ten list. How are you getting on with yours? There are way too many musicals for me to choose from. <laughs> there really are. And it's like choosing your favourite child that you want to take on holiday and you got to leave the others home alone like Kevin McAllister. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult. But you can get involved in those conversations over on Twitter and Instagram. As always, you can find us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We're on the Amazon Music app under the Podcasts section of the library. We are on Stitcher, Good Pods, and we are on Podbean, our OG hosts. If you like what we do, you can subscribe to us. And if you're feeling generous this Christmas season, head on over to Apple Podcasts or to podchaser.com or to Good Pods and leave us a five-star review and tell us what you love about the show. Until next week, where we head down to Whoville. Same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical, musical Monday.